yet. This is kind of the first time I'm recording a podcast where it's like late at night after like a long night. We've been talking a lot. Yeah. Um, so it'll be probably a different vibe than some of the other podcasts, but I don't know. This is like a good time to do a podcast, it feels like, you know? Yeah. Like late, those late hours can sometimes be kind of special hours, you know? Yeah, up until four. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that that? That's the dividing line. Or maybe three to four. Maybe from four you start to. There's definitely a point where it starts to, yeah, diminishing marginal returns, yeah. and then it picks up again. Can, yeah, after after sleep maybe, or uh, well, depends. I actually think there's a general pattern to life in a lot of these things. It's like with relationships, with long walks, with chess games, with. <laughs> All kinds of things, right? If you um, start off excited, you get mm-hmm. to a dip, and then mm-hmm. you come through the dip. Mm. There's and that's a general following. pattern. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. Yeah, right. There's like the beginner's high of a lot of things, you know. Yeah, like I'm thinking about like training and different kinds of like skills or whatever. There's that beginning part where it's really fun because it's all new. And you can learn some things really rapidly, yeah. and it's heady and exciting, and then that 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 bottoms out quickly, yeah. and then it gets kind of just like hard and difficult. But you're not really at the next level yet. And, that's, and if you get through that bit, because sometimes you never get through that mm-hmm. bit, and some things are maybe never even designed for you to get through that. Bit. Mm, yeah. yeah, but I, yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Then you, yeah, there's a, there's another feeling, deep mm. feeling. I think there's also a general tendency where, like, uh, things can be really good and exciting and radical or inspiring or dangerous or something, you know, these types of cool qualities, and then they just fucking fizzle out. <laughs> and that's the end of the end of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the trick is to know which ones are going to be the ones that fizzle out and which ones are going to be the ones that go through a difficult, rocky period that you then pull out of. Hmm. Hmm. You know, once you emerge on the other side, your ideas are fresher and more solid than they were mm. before you went through that difficult mm. dip. Mm. Definitely. But I was interested in what you're saying about the, the automated stuff. Because oh, I yeah. feel like a bit of a traitor sometimes on that. I don't. I don't know if I really want a fully automated world. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, go, okay, so go on. So why not? Or what do you want? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's quite a classic question of like, who owns the automation? How is it made? Right? Hmm. And on some level, I'm quite prepared to go backwards in technology uh-huh. for advancement in humanity. Okay. Which is which is not to say I'm putting myself in some sort of back to the land, you know, hmm. reactionary position. I sure, but like you take, I, I think a bit like football, right? If you have since the Premiership came along, there's been a huge injection of money into football. Okay, right. So for right. reason I got to a point which is like a super elite sport where the players are just incredibly costly commodities mm-hmm. more than works of art you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're trained up from the age of 11 or earlier you know, 
in their academies to be like ultimately the best, right? And obviously, natural talent is still a thing that can't be trained, and everyone will say that. But the quality in which they've improved by <coughs> has made football better. It's faster, it's slicker, it's you know technically better. But I don't think it's worth the money. You th- so you think <laughs> you think the quality improvement in the the game and mm-hmm. player skills mm-hmm. has been relatively small relative to the investment all the shit that's been lost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also relative to the investment. Oh and just the money investment, right? Yeah. Okay. But investment right. of money, infrastructure. Right. So even if I'm gonna, not going to pass a value judgment on yes, it, right? Right. I'm just going to look at it in terms of... Like they invested mad money in relatively yeah. small gains of skill. and Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Whereas I reckon if we have football teams built out of people who were just into that shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they weren't really professionally trained. They didn't have like a masseur and a dietitian and a psychologist. And right. Yeah. You, know. you think they would be like not as good, but, but not that much worse. And the quality of the football. Like the fun of watching it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The fun of watching it wouldn't be diminished. That's a good point. I think I buy that. Like, I think the fun of watching it could be undiminished. But it's interesting how different sports are affected by this differently. Like, if you look at, at, for instance, extreme action sports, you know, sort of like uh, things ranging from, you know, skateboarding and BMX biking to, like, I don't know like canoeing, like kayaking and shit, like extreme, like all this sort of, this whole world of extreme sports. And would you include like UFC and stuff? You could even think about that under the same, under the same heading. But what I was going to say is like those sports have made massive gains. Yeah. Recent, like in the previous years due to, in part due to a massive influx of money and investment. Well, actually you could argue that the the gains they were making actually spurred the, the massive investment. So now you have like things like fucking Red Bull, you know, like, Red Bull is such a weird fucking company now. Right. They, you know, they were, like, a... Well, they still are, like, an energy drink company. Mm-hmm. But now they're this, like, massive, mega sports brand. Like yeah, around, they've got like, a Formula One team, haven't they? And yeah, they, and, yeah, yeah it's, and, but they sponsor uh, extreme sports events. Mm-hmm. Like, crazy. They yeah. throw money at, at all different types of extreme sports um, players and like the best in the world, like they they basically invest in yeah like the the frontiers of extreme sports. And I think that's what's interesting. Sorry, yeah, yeah, no, go on. yeah. That's what's interesting about the change in the capitalist class. It's like these guys, you know, in the nineties, the big brand was was Nike. That was right. Yeah, that's what someone said. It was like, the, but what was new about that was it was an image that was being sold, mm-hmm. right? They didn't make their own shit. It was made in the factory somewhere else. Right. In the same factory as all the other things. But they, right. what they sold was a brand and the image, and that was a new invention. But now you've got a, a, a thing like Red Bull. It sold its brand, it sold its image. But what makes money is in, is is not selling the product, but owning the things that sell the products. Right? Yes. but but the, the Owning thing, the brands. Yes. Yeah. And I think one of the things that makes it even more difficult is they are actually investing in extraordinary advances in human achievement in some sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, I think they're, you know... They're uh, like patrons, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, very yeah. good. That's a very good way of thinking about it, I think. In some degree, Nike, the, the Nike model is sort of similar, you know? Yeah, yeah. But what's interesting about the extreme sports right now is is there's this, like, really crazy exponential growth in what people are doing, what they're able to do. So, you know, if you look at, like, 
go back just a few decades, like three decades, four decades, whatever, to when Evil Knievel was uh, the hot shit. Yeah. You know, like fly a fucking motorcycle over ten cars or something. That was crazy, unheard of. Death-defying spectacle. Fast forward just a few decades later, and now they're doing, like, double backflips on motorcycles. Um, And, I mean, I can remember, because I was into this stuff when I grew up. I was into, like, I was a skateboarder and shit, so I was well into all this shit. You know, when I was growing up, the idea of of a flip on a motorcycle was unheard of. Like, it was, everyone thought it couldn't be done, basically. And in my lifetime... They learned to do one flip, and now they're doing, you know, I'm not, I just turned 30, and they're doing double backflips. Um, so my point is just that some sports are accelerating in a really crazy exponential way. Yeah. But some sports are, like football, it sounds like, might be like a more incremental um, process where they're, they're dumping mad money into it, but there's not, like, significant improvements in human achievement, whereas when in other did, sports there are. Yeah, but when did that sort of stuff come about? You know, evil can evil, and this kind of early extreme sport. Mm. Isn't it? It's a post-war, isn't it? You know, that's a very good question. I mean, it's a lot of these things. I'm sure it's like anything. It's been around forever. Yeah. But when does it become a modern kind of uh, institution of its own? Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. It's probably different for all of them, right? Like, geez, I don't know. I mean. Skateboarding, like, you can kind of date, for instance, to, like, the Bullens Brigade and people like that, like the, you know, Tony Hawk, sort of, like, the early founders, like, Steve Caballero or whoever the fuck his name was. Like, there, there's a sort when of... Are they? When are they? Man, uh, my history on this is a little uh, weak, but I guess it would have been... Oh, shit, I'm going to embarrass myself on the podcast. <laughs> I don't like to I don't like to uh, venture, like, very specific uh, okay. guesses about, Roughly. like, historical yeah. dates, yeah, because I, I invariably uh, come off like an idiot when I'm wrong. But I don't know. I guess that would have been like sixties or seventies. Okay, right. that's like a broad like estimate. So yeah. it's going to. So, so my feeling yeah. for this stuff is it's post-war, right? You know. Yes. Fo- yes, football, I think that's right. Yes. Were, that all of these things have been around for in, in some form have been around forever. Like, you know, right. nothing changed. Sure. No sport, no human activity we're doing hasn't been done before in some level, right? Sure. But the you know, football and a lot of the other big team sports were codified in the 19th century, 1850s. The big the big team sports? Yeah. That's a good question. I think, yeah, I guess late 19th century, early 20th century Yeah, would be my guess. I mean, C.L.R. James has this thing about, like, in one decade, you've got the formation of the Professional Golf Association, the Lawn Tennis Association, the Football Association. Okay. Like, that organised team sport all right. happened around the same Interesting. time. Okay. Okay. And uh, the professionalisation of it. Right. So it emerged in this form in a different era, right? Yeah, for sure. And what suits our era better than just being like individually better, crazier, more spectacular, more hype and more pointless? You know? Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get real yelled out by a roommate, are we? <laughs> I think it's okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I just find it, I find it very interesting, like, uh, the human performance and how that shit changes over time. Yeah. You know, like, what people think they're capable of changes over time, and then they actually become capable of things that... So nowadays, like, you know, 
That's true. They're like 10-year-olds who are doing So, like, I, for instance, I remember when, like, Tony Hawk first did the 900. Uh, I don't know if you have, like, any memory of or even know what I'm talking about. But, no. um, what is the 900? Um, it's a... It's a spin on a skateboard. Okay. <laughs> I think 900 degrees would be what? I think it's two and a half spins, I think. Okay. Yeah. 360. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Any of our listeners can do the mental math and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but we've had many beers tonight and more than one, more than one spliff. So if my mental math is off, I don't care. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, I believe 900 is two and a half spins. I'm not going to do the mental math because okay. I do not descend to mental math. I don't no. have the time for mental math. I don't have the energy for mental math. No. I save my neural resources. I, as a principal, I don't do mental math. I burn too many, like, brain muscles. And I'd rather just... Most mental math problems, you don't need to know the answer. And I often just decide not to do the mental math. It hurts my brain. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, right. Uh, Tony Hawk, 900. I, believe I agree and disagree with I that. believe it's two and a half spins. I'm not going to double check yeah. the mental math. But you remember when you did when you first anyway, yes. heard about that? It was like a groundbreaking world historical uh, moment. Because no one had ever done it before. And no yeah. one knew if you could do that many spins. Um, and so it was like massive uh, breakthrough in like the world of extreme sports or whatever. Nowadays, like 10-year-olds do. You know? <laughs> no, seriously. It's like... Yeah. Um, it was like the four minute mile all that. right all that yeah all that kind of shit it's like it's. I, I just think it's, it's I find it's it like hundred meters I find yeah. it very fascinating just like once are, it's been done it can be done again right but the question is are there objective limits you know to are there objective limits that will be brushed up against or is it constantly stretching out I think in all areas of life there are objective limits but they're very very few right it's like the speed of sound or something yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. maybe but yeah. In linguistics, they have this idea that it's, all languages are the same. But, well, I'll start again. Sure, there's this idea of like, like a universal, of like a universal grammar, shit like that. But even without the universal grammar, which hasn't been totally accepted, right? Okay, sure. That all languages follow are, are more similar than they should be if they randomly evolved. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, right. If if everyone on the planet people yes. just randomly yeah, yeah. a language, right? Yeah. So. You know, there's people suggest different theories for that. One was the universal grammar theory, that we just see the world in a certain way. Okay. You know, so that that bottle must be on the table because that's just a fact that we see in the world, an unavoidable thing, the shape of our mind. Or it could have been because we all came from the same place in East Africa. <laughs> so all languages just pass down from each other and all have a common root. Mm. or even a spontaneous evolution explanation mm. that just things in different places come up with the same things but right. within that they have this theory of like principles and parameters so all languages follow a certain principles mm. and the principles are very very few mm. like they've got all languages have words or, mm. you know I don't know they're quite basic right and then parameters like if this is true then that will be true okay if these conditions are happening, then some other conditions will happen. Mm. Okay. I think every single language in the world ever has a slang word for fucking that is funny and inappropriate that's a in any context. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might wager. I bet that's true. Yeah. And things like piss and shit. Like, I bet there's a slang word that's like kind of uncouth 
but has like different uses in almost all languages. Mind you, I don't know shit about the history of languages or linguistics. I'm talking out of my ass here. But that's a yeah. hypothesis I would make. Yeah. It's probably wrong. But maybe it's a sure. hypothesis <laughs> and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some principles. But um, where did that come from? Nowhere. Probably pulled out of our asses. Yeah. This is, what's, this is what I like about podcasts is like, uh, like I don't give a f- Like, I just honestly don't give a fuck about like being right or like true. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like... There's so many things I don't know. And yeah. and I think this is something that's really oppressive for academics because people whose job is associated with, like, knowing, you know? Yeah. It's actually... It can be really oppressive because the honest fact is, like, most people don't know shit, right? Like, even really educated people, like, people who have PhDs and shit. Yeah, they know a little... They know, they know a fair bit about, like, mm-hmm. one specific set of things. But the reality is, like, mo- even highly educated people mostly don't know shit about what shit. Actually, what they've done is they've learned how little everybody knew which is the people who knew the, the least would be able to tell them from the start right right, right. <laughs> you know? but it becomes this like a straitjacket I think for a lot yeah. of for a lot of people like especially academics because they're treated as if they know things and then so they're like afraid to talk about anything they don't know about yeah which is a different kind of oppression so the oppression of just feeling like your sure. opinion doesn't matter and people don't right right you know you wouldn't know because you're not educated yeah you know? yeah but, exactly at some level, people who who have just like a general common sense understanding of the world get the fact that um, people, you know, you don't really know. Like reality is complex. Truth is difficult. Mm-hmm. I see what I see, and you see what you see. Mm-hmm. And somewhere between us, there is some reality, but we're fucked if we know what that is. Right? Mm. Definitely, definitely, yeah. and. And yeah. the more you study it, the more you just realize that we don't know. <laughs> also, like, just, I think people don't realize that the, the human intellect is, like, a really feeble machine. <laughs> like, it's an, it, it really is. Like, it's not, and it didn't evolve to do very sophisticated things, you know? Like, our brain mostly evolved to make us fucking, like, run from the saber-toothed tiger when it's attacking, you know? Like, to be able to sense those things quickly, mm-hmm. you know, be, you know. Um, so... You know, in our, like, modern world where everything is, like, safe and soft and, like, we're relatively, you know, most, like, physical threats have been kind of, like, for, for many people at least, like, relatively in history. Yeah. Most physical threats have been, like, neutralized. This, like, this, like, crazy fucking machinery we have in our heads is actually, like, a really kind of, like, overpowered device mm-hmm. <laughs> with, like, relatively blunt purposes that we try to use for, like, these, like you know, things that we imagine to be really enlightened and impressive and, um, but, but it's not, you know, it's not, (laughs) it just isn't made for that. It never was made for that, but we try to do the, all these things that we think are like big and beautiful and impressive, but guess what people, you can't do it because it wasn't made to do that. And it's just a simple fact. Like, but does that mean you're like disregarding the potential of humanity? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, no, I'm just saying that like we overestimate the power of thinking mm-hmm. to solve problems. Um, and you know, there's this sort of metaphor in moral. So psych- what, what have we got? So don't go on. Give me the metaphor. Well, there's this metaphor in uh, moral psychology of like the elephant and the rider. 
you know, like, and this has been a debate throughout, like, political philosophy and the history of ideas and shit, okay. that, you know, w- what dominates the other, uh, passions or reason, you know, like, which one is in the pilot seat, and which one follows on the other? Okay. The what, passions, what the, the appetites, or, or is it, or is it reason? Um, and, you know, different people have argued different things at different times. Okay. Some which people, one's the elephant? Well, in reality, I think the research is increasingly uh, showing that the elephant is the passions, the emotions, the um, the, the the non you know verbal uh, parts of us mm-hmm. that we consider the baser, the okay. baser parts of us. Um, the intellect, you know, like the calm thinking, systematic reasoning machinery that we have in our yeah. minds. That's just like a very, very small rider on the back of this massive elephant. The massive elephant being um, like deeply ingrained mm-hmm. uh, emotions and attitudes okay, and, get and instincts yeah. and things, things of yeah, this yeah. nature, you see what I'm saying? But that's been a debate over time, and, and people have disagreed about that, and, and, and some people have, 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 have believed that you know, our mind and our, our rational capacities are the main thing, that they're the big thing, that we can, that that, that should be used yeah. to control other, that, so this is like Plato would be a, a good example of this, that, you know, in like a certain Greek ideal, you know, the, the mind would be cultivated to sort of overrule the passions, and this is like a model of, you know, a healthy, well-ordered, you know, human right. soul. And then there's the others who think that the, the passions... You should only follow the passions and the intellect is a false well, not that you should. civilization on top of a... You know. I mean, some people have thought that, but it's not so much that you should follow the no, passions, but, I mean, but in the objective reality of what I'm just talking about the extremes, us. the yeah. extreme views on these things. Because mm. there's some, and they tend to be... Yeah, those ones, they're kind of anti-rational movements that have said that, that we the emotions should totally rule and... Right. Okay. You know, and and the emotions should be guided. And therefore, we should guide the emotions in a certain way. Right. You know, tended towards totalitarianism mm. in its, in some levels. Mm-hmm. But there must be another way of looking at it that doesn't see it so one so you know one or the other. Right? For sure. Yeah. The question of like which should rule is an interesting question. Yeah. I think a separate question, which I'm also interested in, and just me personally perhaps more interested in at the moment is like which one does rule mm-hmm. you know like the reality of of the human machine yeah but does it does it have to be an answer to that question does it have to be one or the other or is there like mm. different ones at different times or possibly you know that possibly i don't think there's there needs to be like a, a firm and absolute answer but i do actually think that it's really important that we correctly understand like what we are as creatures you know, yeah, like I, I think we, like I think we need to learn and really understand and respect. You know, just like the the reality of our of our proportions. Do you know what I mean? As, yes. as creatures, and like what our what our actual limits are, and what our actual uh, like how our minds and bodies actually function mm-hmm. objectively. We need to have a. I think we need to have a strong understanding of that, especially if you want to start thinking about like radical change. Yeah. Because if you don't have those fundamentals really understood well. I think we can get ourselves into a lot of danger. And I think we do this. Like, this is one of the reasons that I'm interested in it. Like, I think we, we actively overestimate the power of, like, rational thinking. Like, we're, we're not primarily, like, rational, um, slow-thinking, systematic people. Like, our, 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 we're mostly governed by, like, really deeply ingrained 
like emotional reactions and need and needs. And I'm not like because I, I don't want to belittle these things. Like I think they're real. I think they're they're massively important mm-hmm. um, as a part as just a part of who we are and what life means to the human, you know, the human being. Yeah. But we but we imagine in the modern world that you can just like think all these things away, <laughs> you know, and like you can think your way out of like all these deep difficult social problems that are actually built on like deep seated emotional reactions that we have to things. Okay. Do you know what um, I mean? Like, I so think the thing, the, the trick is to change the emotional reactions more than to... Maybe, or it's just to realize more honestly that like, we're highly, highly emotional creatures. Like, so for instance, I think like the right is much better at this than the left. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the right is more honest about their creaturely needs. You know, like, humans need security, for instance. It's a basic need. You can dream it into your head that you can forego, like, the security of a tight-knit community to be, like, a member of, like, a cosmopolitan world sphere. You can dream that in your head as, like, a rational, reflecting being. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you think that you can, like, hover above immediate communities and live as a kind of, like, free-floating... Uh, liberal individual in this like macro globalized cosmopolitan life world you're you're kind of yeah you're kind of out of touch with like what we are as human beings yeah but I think a lot of like left-leaning people basically think that maybe not such obviously I'm giving a kind of extreme party version of it like I don't think anyone would say what I just said but I think people on the left are more likely to think that that, that you can live that way, whereas people on the right are more likely to realize you can't live that way. Like, I think when right, when people on the right, like conservative people, you know, even when they say, like, really brutal, nasty things that I do not agree with, like, things to the effect of how, like, their family or their country people or whatever, like, matter and are, are valuable, but, like, foreigners don't matter and they're not valuable, or, like, you know, the bomb them all mentality, mm-hmm. like... If there's any terrorists anywhere in the Middle East, well, you know what? Just bomb all of the Middle East. I know it sounds brutal, but we have to do it to protect ourselves, to protect our people. As hor- as like offensive as I find that, and, and I do not, to be clear, I do not agree with that at all. That is giving voice to like something real about like how hu- humans are as animals. And while I think it's it's, I think that we can do better. And that's why I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. The people who say that, people who feel that, and who say that, they're being honest about something that is a deep part of our, us as animals, I think. And to act as if, like, they're crazy for thinking that is just being dishonest. Mm-hmm. And to act as if you can simply, because you find that kind of horrifying and offensive, that you can just sort of dismiss it as, like, wrong... And therefore, like, think that you can launch yourself into this world where such feelings and needs are no longer a part of you. You're, you're full shit. They are a part of us. Because that's a part of, like, that's a part of what our species is as animals. Okay, like, but I don't think that what a part... Well, you look at... I think you're right. Yeah, you see like, what I mean? I see what you mean. Because I think you have to see who we are, right? Right. And, and, and to see... And that, I'm more and more on coming back to that. You know, I didn't used to think like that. But I do more now. But what is it on one level? We want to be 
um, we want to be part of something bigger, right? And we are part of something bigger. We are individuals, and that's a level of abstraction mm-hmm. because we're also part of a whole, mm-hmm. right? Which is also which expands upwards to infinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the individual itself is a collection of organs and cells, and the cells are a collection of, and you can go down, and everything's like. Mm-hmm. Happening at the same, only same time, only all these different levels. Sure. So, what are those tendencies within us? Is that those tendencies to be part of something greater and another level in which we want to assert ourselves? Mm-hmm. And when we are um, seeing you know, when we are violent and when we stand, you know, stand our ground and say who we are, we're certain ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right, but... Yeah. When we... Sometimes we feel like we belong to a bigger group and in the interest of that bigger group we will just like bees or ants or Mm -hmm. dogs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cows will do what the... Well, it's necessary for the bigger group, but, right. we're, but what we have the capability of is deciding what is the bigger group, right? You know, yeah, definitely. We don't have to see the tribe like, right? You know, I have to mash up that lot because they're the enemy to me, you know. Yes, I think that's very well put, and I agree with that. I think the, the problem comes in at the fact that the, the capacity that we use to abstract to like the larger group. For instance, yeah. like, you know, one world of, like, universal equality and peace and freedom and justice where, like, everyone's life is equally valuable, even people we don't know halfway across the globe. That abstract reasoning, which is good and true, and I believe in it, the problem is to get to that attitude towards life requires that one, first of all, have, like, extremely unique material conditions, um... In other words, you have to have most of your like basic security survival needs met to even yeah. be able to think about that kind of like abstract, like uh, higher level community. Do you know what I mean? But also, we need to realize that we're using like a tiny part of our brain and our like basic machinery that is only a very very small part of us. And like I said, it's like it's like the rider on the elephant. It's not the elephant itself. And so I think it's a beautiful thing that we can use the rider on the elephant to try steer, you know, like these like massive beasts mm-hmm. inside of us. Do you know what I mean? But we do this thing where we want to act like it's normal and obvious. And if you can't see the world that way also, there's something wrong with you. Do you know what I mean? Whereas actually, there's something almost wrong with us that we're able to access these like high level ideal abstract kind of values and goals. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so like, I, and I do see what you're saying, but there are like the most philistine kind of people who see themselves on a bigger level and in, in their nationalism, in mm. their race identification. Right? Mm. It's not a big abstraction to feel yourself as part of something bigger than you. Mm. Right? Okay. You feel yourself part of the superior white race, for mm. example. Right? That's... That's an abstraction, isn't it? Right, I see your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is a kind of, like, clinging to, like, the 
the nearest and dearest, easiest one, right? Yeah, and it's seen as the most obvious one because right. of how it's presented in, through history and yes, yes. You know, media, etc. And there's all this work done for it. Yeah. You know, like all this money invested and all this symbolism invested. There's like all of these like material structures that exist around you to make you believe in the abstraction of nationalism. Yeah. But for like cosmopolitanism, there isn't. You know, like those of us who believe that we're all in one world and we're all equal, equally valuable and universal equality and freedom, there's no symbol. There's not like, you know, that's like in our brain. It's in our minds almost purely mm-hmm. on some level. Do you know what but I mean? But I'm saying that both of these things are in the minds, right? Yes, but nationalism so, no, has yeah. like a lot of objective, immediate reference because the state invests so much into it, right? Yeah. So my point is, this says nothing about like the, the correctness of either. But my point is just that like, one is way easier to rely on yeah. as, as, as like real and material in your immediate vicinity because it is because it's like falsely put there by the state yeah. right but it's just not to, but what I wouldn't say about it like I wouldn't go so far as to be this sort of complete colorblind hippie <laughs> you know it's like there are cultures you know human human activity has developed differently in different places and has created different rituals and different um whatever like ways of seeing things even mm-hmm. a little bit sure um so yeah wouldn't deny culture but yeah I, my feeling just generally is that mm. if I have a tribe of people that I belong to it's a pretty it, maybe there's a certain type of person maybe mm. that I could see sometimes I walk down the street and see in a certain face like yeah well, you know I think I'll get you uh, I think you want you like yeah you and I we understand it okay but that wouldn't be dependent on skin colour or age or gender or sure right what would it be based yeah. on something I couldn't even put my finger on right you know <laughs> but just a certain way of being a certain way of looking at things a certain way of but walking. this is one of the like crucial and I might be wrong most of the time yeah. no but this is one of the crucial like asymmetries between like right wing folks and left wing folks and it and it's like right, like right wing people find it much easier to like gravitate tightly into this kind of like tribal structure i think like especially like smaller knit more uh local level types of tribal structures mm-hmm. and i think it actually serves it like a great political advantage i don't think it's good or healthy yeah but i think it serves like a a power advantage. It's a pretty good organizational tactic. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, the family, like, you know, there's a lot of things you can... There's a lot of critical things you can say about the family as, like, a fucked up structure. Yeah. But it's a damn good structure for, like, maintaining tight-knit, like, survival networks. I mean, it it, it is, by definition, basically, yeah. the, the most successful, like, tight-knit community survival structure. That's exactly how it evolved to be like the, a dominant unit. And I think that like the, the, the radical left kind of like rejection of family, I think it's fine. And I think like, it's, I think it's good. Like I think people should be free to like break, break out of the family structure and, and create any kind of structure they want. Like, I think that's a beautiful thing that I support everyone's right to do. But again, I think we underestimate how fucking hard that is for us as like limited animals 
who actually like really have for almost all of time really relied on that, you know? Like we think it's easy gonna to like throw that out overboard, but it's not, is it? Yeah. I think it isn't. And I think but what the family structure has done is replicated um a fairly healthy functioning society. But it hasn't really created the healthy individual. Mm. So in traditional cultures but they tend to be more communal, more supportive, and more conformist. Right? And if you don't fit Absolutely. In, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you don't fit into the certain way there's lots of rituals and ways of understanding yes. and people are supported and looked after. But if you don't fit into the certain prevalent kind of cultures you don't you, you will be It's brutal. Yeah. 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 So um the, doesn't matter man go in any direction it doesn't matter again one of the cool things about podcasts like we're not on some fucking like television show where we have to make sense or go in any particular fucking order we're just chilling but, um, but we were talking about like family and how like yeah. left wing like the yeah. left the left wing maneuver to kind of like reject family values and the conservative insistence on, fam- on family values like it, we it can't be replaced with nothing right Exactly, and, and I think there is there is a reality to it. But what I would think would be what I think is ironic about it is that the right is all about individuality, and they they talk about the family to kind of mm. create individualism. You know, mm. it's about individuals, not individuality. Mm. And so they're like, to the rights of the individual are best protected through their right to have a family, which is a very patriarchal fucking concept. For sure, anyway. yeah. And I think what we're saying on the left is like actually the family, whatever that family might look like, and that family might look quite different. It might involve biological parents, it might also involve other adults and other peers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whatever. The family's big you know, responsibility is to create the individual. Mm-hmm. Not the individual has a right to have a family, but the family should be... I mean, I think people... I, yes, that was like a yeah. very good defense or statement of like the ideal of what of yeah that the, of what the alternative would be but the reality is like w- people on the left just don't do family as well you know like even their like different reformed evolved family like they don't do that as well either do they like do you know what i mean like so my like if we could like reject the traditional family structure mm-hmm. and have these like more free autonomous uh family structures and and even maybe use a different word if you want, but like tight knit community structures, right? Where people can be whoever they want to be and it's not patriarchal and it's not, um, oppressive. If we could do that, hands down, I'm all for it. Throw away the old family. That's much better than like the old family, which is fucked up in so many ways. But the reality is like, we have these aspirations to do this, like to reject the family and have these like better collective structures but it, it's hard <laughs> when like we're I mean yeah because I think it's general. hard because we're the product of the same shit that everybody else is right yeah so how do you break out of that and find a more human way of being right, right. well that's the puzzle right but to me the question is like how do you survive in a healthy way before you have like a an actually 
like effective alternative way of organizing your like tight knit networks. Do you know what I mean? That's that's my concern because I think what what the left is kind of doing now, or just like generally people on the left, especially the radical left, is like we have these like ideas about rejecting the traditional family structure, mm-hmm. but what actually ends up happening is we just all have like shittier relationships. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and we have like we're straight, we're like not that close with our family, but we're also not that close with our friends, and we have uh, romantic relationships, but they're not that deep. They're not that like successful and we just call this like hodgepodge of different relations like more free or radical or something but it's not always sometimes it's just like um do you know what I mean I do but I don't want to totally accept the bleakness yeah because fair I enough. do feel like like we were just saying tonight like yeah I do feel like it's kind of cool and we're struggling it's a difficult place to be in Mm. Our institution of family and marriage is, is a sort of 1950s institution that's like that related to an economic position where a man could get a job that would be enough to feed his family and look after his wife. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Friends as well, right? Friends were like. Your cousins and your friends and your work colleagues were all the same thing. <laughs> right. But also just, like, people have less friends than they used to. It's crazy. Like, if you look at the data on this... Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the number of close... Like, actual close friends people have um, has been on the decline for several decades, I believe. Oh, I mean, there's all this data on, like, social capital. And yeah. basically, like, if you look at all the different dimensions of, like, quality of relationships... Yeah. They've generally been on the decline since like the fifties. Okay. I mean, that's like a ge- that's a generalization, but it's generally true. So the challenge is on said was to create a new man. Nice. <laughs> but does uh, anybody wish to say a new person? Right. <laughs> university lecturer today the students would hate him like even the radical students yeah because he's like not PC enough think about that (laughs) sorry we're taking long breaks dear listeners for very dubious behaviors that we have to do outside because we're respectful roommates By the way, it's about, I think it's almost 3 a.m. now, and we're in, a, we're in Sam's house in Tottenham, in a cold little kitchen with the door open. We're having a very nice time. So just a short update for you, just to, to paint the scene for you, dear listeners. It's nice to have a nice time. It's, I think it's important that like the three people listening to this understand like what happened. <laughs> yeah. The the three like faithful listeners, whoever they are, I want to give them everything I have. Oh shit! I shouldn't close that. I thought we were done. Yeah. Sorry, people. Multitasking is hard. This is where I need to have like um. 
like an intern yeah who like sits and like talks shit when I'm doing shit yeah <laughs> and I'm like too distracted or whatever but um so yeah what I mean what do you think of this moment I think this very moment is excellent yeah I think the larger moment like yesterday and tomorrow that's mm-hmm. shit yeah but this moment I'm quite enjoying myself <laughs> You're quite into the idea of enjoying yourself. Yes, 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 definitely. It means. Yeah, I definitely believe in enjoying myself. I think that... um, Well, it's sort of a requirement. Like, you're never going to be able to do anything significant in life if you don't basically enjoy most of it. Because that's the only thing that can... It's only from that base that you can actually, like find the energy and the will and the commitment to do anything meaningful. Like, no one does anything really, truly great out of desperation, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. <laughs> I think I, about that. I'm toilet break. Oh, yeah. Sure. All right. I'll just pause this then. So, yeah. What else? How are you feeling? Um, pretty good. I mean, I think people can. It's quite funny, isn't it? What's that? People can just talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. You never get much closer to getting it right. It's just no. If you're lucky, a little bit. You know, like a tiny little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a tiny, tiny little bit. But again, I think this goes back to like what we were talking about, how the mind is a relatively feeble mm. sort of machinery on top of like a massive beast inside of us. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because like when you have that attitude towards thinking and intellectual powers, suddenly you become way more realistic about like what you can actually do by thinking. Do you know what I mean? So like what you just said, that like, you can talk for hours about things. Mm-hmm. And somehow, like, it's fun, and it's enriching, and it feels like you're, like, doing something valuable and important, and you're you're going down paths that seem promising and worth going down. But then at the end of it all, you really don't feel that much smarter than you started, or you don't really, you didn't figure anything out, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have this feeling of, like, we didn't really figure anything out, you know? Um, but when you have a more realistic and modest attitude towards what, like, our intellectual powers are and what they're capable of, suddenly that doesn't feel so bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it feels more like, of course we didn't figure it out. Because we just have these, like, fucking balls of fat inside of our skull that aren't made for, like, figuring out all these things. You know what I mean? Like, they're never going to be able to do that. Yeah. (laughs) And what we've actually been doing is just been enjoying ourselves. And we've been exploring ourselves, you know? And, like, we've been enjoying the moment. And we've been, like, just like investigating like the, the, the cells of where we currently are and what we feel and the kinds of synapses we can, we can fire off in our, in our brain. But um, the deep part of it is, to, if, is for the elephant to enjoy what the rider is doing mm. and the rider to understand what the elephant is. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. I like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Part of what 
can be made into a pleasure is just intellectual intellectualism can be made into a pleasure. Yes, I agree. And don't you feel like if I feel like if you're doing it if you're if you're just being honest, you know, like as long as you're being honest and you're talking with someone that you feel comfortable with, no matter what direction it goes down, at the end of it, you're gonna feel good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think anyway. Like maybe you, you didn't like solve any particular puzzle. But you feel like, okay, somewhere in all of that there was some cool shit. Yeah. And it was fun. And whatever, I don't really even remember, but if you're lucky, you record it, and you can yeah. go back to it later. But the point is, like, you know you went through something with that person. Yeah. And you feel like you did something real, and, you, like, you, 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 you shared that moment, and you extended that moment, and, you like, you deepened that moment mm-hmm. just by, like, going down those different avenues. But you're not solving world problems. You know, you're doing something different, which is just as important, but it's, it's different. And I hope that is enough for the podcast listeners I, I think so and if it's not then fuck them <laughs> if that's not enough for my podcast listeners then I fire my podcast listeners <laughs> and they can go find a different podcast there's so many different podcasts yeah if they don't like Check this them out. then they should not listen to it yeah but yeah I think you're right that this is probably a natural a natural finishing mm. uh, moment seemed like a good conclusion yeah. did you have fun? yeah it was fun right? yeah yeah I enjoy it and uh, I would love to do it again sometime with you. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, cool. Let me turn this off then.